What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Red Blacks Unfiltered. This is the podcast where you can hear candid conversations with your favorite Red Blacks players. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Richie Leone, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews you get, the more it helps new people find this show. And if you're one of the people that have recently found this show, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. And now, without further ado, I present to you Richie Leone, Unfiltered. Richie Leone, welcome to Red Blacks Unfiltered. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm doing great today. Just another beautiful, hot, humid day here in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham. Why are you in Birmingham? Didn't you grow up in Georgia? Yeah, born and raised in Atlanta. I've been coming here the uh, the past two off seasons. Um, there's a group of punters and kickers, uh, a couple NFL guys, a couple CFL guys, a couple guys that are in college trying to break into the pros. And uh, we've been coming here because our kicking coach lives in the area. So we all train together um, in the gym and hit the field together and all that stuff. So I'm surrounded by a bunch of guys doing the same thing as me, which is really nice. And uh, I like being in that environment. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are some of the guys that are down there with you? Um, Ty Long, who played previously for the BC Lions, plays for the Los Angeles Chargers. Him and I actually went to high school. Um, so we've kind of crossed paths here and there. I was in BC, and then I signed in the NFL. He signed with BC. And now he's playing in the NFL. The guy, AJ Cole, who's a punter for the Raiders. He's an he's a Atlanta guy. Jake Hartbarger, who played his college ball at Michigan State. He's uh, doing his pro day and combine stuff right now. Uh, Brian Santoso, who signed with Montreal recently. And uh, just to name a few, yeah. It's like, how did that group of guys end up coming together? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, I started working with Coach McCabe of one-on-one kicking back when I was a sophomore in high school. And he would travel to Atlanta every other weekend to put on a kicking camp there. So I'd work with him on the weekends, and he settled to Birmingham area. So we kind of followed him here. And, um, you know, he's a great coach, good guy to be around. And, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how it's all worked out, but it's been nice. That's awesome. And I do want to kind of talk about your time in the NFL and the CFL. But before that, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. When did you start playing football? Started playing football, tackle football in fourth grade, but I was playing um, in flag leagues, um, you know, second and third grade. Fourth grade was my first year of tackle football. And when did you ultimately become a kicker? Because I saw somewhere I think that you were a quarterback for a little while before becoming a kicker. Yeah, so while I played quarterback, I was always kicking and punting on my teams. And uh, there's a little bit of an incentive um, in my fourth grade football season, that first year of tackle. If you kicked an extra point after a touchdown, you would get two points rather than just running a play. So that's kind of how it all started. I I played soccer. Um, I had some natural ability to just, you know, be able to pop the ball 20 yards or so. And that's kind of how it all started. And I saw somewhere too early on that you knew from an early age that you wanted to play in the NFL. Do you remember when 
that goal kind of when you really settled on that goal is it something you're actually going to strive for yeah i think you know when you're a kid everyone's got dreams um you know you see these guys on sundays um playing in the nfl i really looked up to guys like brett Favre and uh you know tom brady a little bit later on and um just the awe of these guys living out their dreams was so enticing to me. Um, when I got into middle school, it was like I was all in. And by the time I got to high school, I stopped playing all the other sports like basketball and soccer and just focused strictly on getting a scholarship to go play and in college. And um, I knew kicking was going to be my best opportunity to and um, gave up quarterback um, once I got into high school. And um, just put all my eggs in that basket. And high school, high school was Roswell High, right? Yes. And so when you made that decision to focus on kicking, I know you said that the coach you work with now was something you worked with when you would come to Atlanta. But correct me if I'm wrong, but high schools, maybe it's different down in the States. Obviously, it's different from up here. But do they have like specialized kicking coaches or anyone to help you during your development at a young age? Or do you kind of have to go out and find people to help you become a better kicker and develop while you're in high school? Yeah, good question. Um, so Coach McCabe was a guy that I would spend um, in high school the summers with. Um, so I'd, 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 I'd go to Birmingham where he was living, and he would have a bunch of guys in college at that time coming to live and train in the area. So it would be on like a similar program to what we're on now, um, spend some time on the field with him um, and also in the weight room. And so that's the time that you really got a chance to work on your craft. But when you when I came back to you know school during the season, um, there's no kicking coach per se. So it was a lot of just you know my dad and I going over technique and and drills and this and that. But when it came uh, to being on the field during practice, it was really just myself and actually Ty um, was the other kicker at our school. So he was younger than me. So it was me and him basically working together and being our own coaches. And you mentioned your dad there. He had a big part kind of in your development growing up as well, right? And I know I think you guys had like signals or something that he would give you from the stands during games. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's kind of like an inside joke. And, you know, I kind of roll my eyes if he tries to, if I get a hold of him during a game now. Um, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, he's always going to be my dad and uh, coach me out. My first coach. And he was the one who really pushed me to, um, you know, double down and, and focus on these drills that are, are so important. Um, these drills are uh, at a young age was what I think gave me uh, an upper hand on, on competition um, in high school and college because um, that muscle memory that's built up at a young age is, is, is so important. And you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching kids nowadays, I, I emphasize all that drill work that I did in the garage with my dad that really, really, um, gave me the upper hand as a kicker like what does a drill in the garage look like because obviously you can't boot the ball then it's like what does that look like when you're doing drills inside a space like that so yeah i mean we used to put just uh about six feet of duct tape in the garage and to, so you can have a line and then he would just throw me throw me snaps underhand and i would just work on my drop it's the same stuff that you know lewis and i and coach dice and i um, work on on the sidelines before practice, during practice when we got time to kill, before games, during games, just working on the catch and the mold and having a nice and controlled flat drop. Um, you know, the money's really made in that. And I've been doing this for 
you know, since 2006. So I'm not pretty, I'm not very good at math, but uh, it's a long time. Fair. And then like, how, how big was high school football when you were playing in Roswell? Like, was it like what you see on TV with like thousands of people coming to the games on a Friday night? So like, what was that? What was your high school football experience like? Yeah. High school football was awesome. It's, I say it's the most nervous I've ever been for football games. And I still believe that because you know, you grow up in this community and I've been going to Friday night live football games since I was in third, second grade and just dreaming of, of, of being those guys uh, in the community on the team for your school, surrounded by people you grew up with and people that, you know, um, it's such a big deal. And um, those are the most nervous I've ever been for football games. And it really is a special atmosphere. It's certainly different as a fan watching now. I've been back to see some games, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the atmosphere. But, yeah, we had a really good crowd. We had really good teams while I was um, in high school. We played the highest classification in Georgia. Um, had a lot of success while I was there, and, uh, man, it was so much fun. Are there any, like, standout moments or, like, favorite fond memories you look back on often from your time playing, like any specific game or play or anything? Um, we, we played in a few big games my senior year. I hit a, I hit a really big kick in overtime in a playoff game, um, that I remember, but, um, nothing that stands out. It was just the whole, um, the whole atmosphere, the whole tradition and, and just playing under those lights with those guys that I've been playing football with since fourth grade was, it was, was really, uh, something special. Mm-hmm. And before we move on to college, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about high school. This is pretty random and almost more like a personal question, just because I'm personally interested. Did you go to high school with Russ? Yes, um, Russ was in my grade. Um, he actually, we grew up in the same neighborhood. He probably lived, you know, down the street to make a left right on the corner there, probably like 12 houses away. Um, a lot of fond memories of shooting hoops with, with Russ um good dude great artist. I just yeah it's just for anyone that doesn't know he's a multi-platinum recording artist and i saw when i was doing my research i found your high school on wikipedia and then it had like alumni on there and russ was one of them so i just wanted to ask if you guys actually like cross paths over your time there i was just curious but moving on to university when did the recruiting process really start for you like when did you start talking to schools did they come to you or were you kind of sending game tape to them like what was your experience with recruiting you know, when I was coming out, it was really blowing up all the kicking combines and, and, and ranking things that they do over the summers now. But I didn't go to any of those. Um, I just trained with, you know, my dad and Coach McCabe, who I was lucky. The way I got my scholarship was a relationship that he had um, with a coach at University of Houston. Um, so that's kind of what McCabe does still. He's got so many relationships with um, with coaches across the NCAA, and you know he puts his guys. He's like, "Hey, I got a guy. He's pretty good. Um, here's some film." And you know what happened was they invited me out to it. They said, "Hey, you should come out to a camp. We want to see what you can do." And um, what happened was my dad and I flew to Houston, and next thing you know, I'm on the field working out and had a really good workout, and they offered me a scholarship. Um, but I wasn't a highly recruited guy. I was kind of flew under the radar. I ended up getting some offers later on, but I was firmly committed to Houston and happy with my decision there. And um, the landscape of recruiting has certainly changed. Um, you know, these kids are 
these kickers and punters just want to hit these big, pretty balls. But I, I wasn't ever really about that. I was about the consistency, consistency, just being able to hit a nice spiral ball with good direction. That's always been my game. Um, and uh, I'm glad. I'm really glad. I was really lucky. And now I'm not exactly sure what the geography is like. Like how far is Roswell from Birmingham, Alabama compared to how far it is from Houston? Like how much of a change was it for you to to move out to Houston versus going to Alabama during the summertime? Yeah, it was a big change, um, but it was kind of a foreshadow in my life. It's been interesting. Um, fast forward into like being in the pros and coming to play in Canada. I've had an opportunity to live in so many different cities and I've really embraced that and really enjoyed it. Um, so it was a big change. It was about 14 hour drive from Atlanta. Um, it's a big city. It's a, you know, city landscape, not a typical college where there's a lot of green space or anything like that. And I mean, if you've ever been to Houston in the summer, it is brutal. You know, the, the old saying is you take a shower and then walk to your car. And then by the time you get there, you have to take another shower. Um, because of the humidity and the heat, it is, it's, it's built different. I tell you what, it's comparable to, to Ottawa. Ottawa gets to those really, really hot, humid, muggy days there in the summer. And I was really in disbelief when I realized that, you know, Ottawa has both extremes. They have this hot, humid weather in the <laughs> summer that is just brutal. And then on the flip side, you get those minus 20, minus 30 degree days in the winter. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And then with, what did you take when you went to school? What did I physically bring? No, I mean like, what was your major? Sorry. Oh, oh, uh, economics. Why'd you pick econ? Um, it was just something that interested me. It was, it was simple to me. It was always a cause and effect thing. Um, and, uh, it's interesting with today what's going on, the economic impact and, um, it's pretty fascinating with the uh, COVID stuff. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it was just something that appealed to me. I had a really cool professor that I enjoyed learning from and, um, that's, that's that. Fair enough. And then over to the football side, I was going through and looking through some games that you would have played at that point in time. And did, so were you part of the team when they beat Penn state at the ticket city bowl? Yes. How, what was the experience at that game? Like, that was good. It was, a. It was an interesting time because we went 12-0 and 0 and we were playing the conference championship in Houston. We were playing Southern Miss, playing Austin Davis, a quarterback, Jamie Collins, who's a really good uh, linebacker in the NFL. He played for the Patriots last year. They were a stacked team, but, you know, we were cruising. It was a season that Case Keenum broke every passing record in the NCAA. We were, I, I didn't even warm up until halftime. Because we'd be blowing folks out 63 to nothing, and I wouldn't punt in the first half. But in the second half, you know, we'd, you know, put in the second string, mix some things up. So I'd get more action in the second half. I think I had, a, I think I had 30 punts in 12 games, which is pretty low. Um, and so we played that conference championship. Our head coach had accepted the job at um, Texas A&M. So it was a weird, it was a weird feel, weird vibe. We got a, I call it a trap game. Um, they ended up beating us. We should have gone on and beat them and played Michigan in the Sugar Bowl, but you know, stuff happens as it does in sports. But beating Penn State was pretty cool. They were um, obviously a Big Ten team, and it was the year that all that 
all that stuff with Penn State was coming out with Jerry Sandusky. So I know that Coach um, Paterno had passed away a few months later. Um, that was the last game you probably saw of uh, that uh, that Penn State team. It was a uh, pretty interesting history there. And then I think it was your senior year where you were named second team All-American? Yeah, baby, second team All-American. They don't give any trophies out for that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then, so ultimately, like you said, you kind of flew under the radar in high school, but what about after when you were in college, you did go to the, you got invited to the NFL combine, right? Yes. Yeah. I had a, I had a pretty good college career um, and it put up some good numbers and, and, and was well-rounded. I, I got to kick some field goals my senior year. I always kicked, I kicked off for four years. Um, so a lot of opportunity, a lot of experience was fortunate enough to get invited to the combine and, um, that was quite a uh, an experience to say the least, and um, yeah, went undrafted to the Ravens. Can I talk about more about the experience of the combine, like how that went for you that day? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a it's like a three day process, and what they really try to do is grind you down mentally. They schedule drug tests for four a.m. and then that day you're you're up interviewing with teams. You're you're getting evaluated by every NFL team doctor. They come in to a room and they poke and prod you like you're a piece of meat. And, you know, they ask you about injury history. Um, some guy was talking about how my left knee was a little deformed, which I'd never heard before, which was, I don't know, kind of bull crap if you ask me. Um, and so you're at these interviews until, you know, midnight. Then the next morning is the biggest day of your life because that's the day you're actually on the field performing. Um, so everybody was just mentally grinded and just whatever. And then you get an opportunity to go out there and show what you got to do. I did well. and um, But what I really enjoyed about that was interacting with you know some of the people. I got to talk to some, some cool coaches and um, all that stuff. And uh, I think that's where I made an impression on the Ravens. Um, I had a, I had a witty answer about something. I won't, I won't go into specifics on it, but, um, that's what I think turned that turned them on to me was this, this witty answer I had. And, um, next thing you know, I was on a plane flying back to Houston, but it was hell of an experience and definitely memories that, um, I hold dear. When you were interacting with coaches and stuff, did you ever get any, like in terms of like testing you mentally, did you ever get any weird questions? Like, for example, like what kind of donut would you be if you were a donor or anything like that? You don't have to share your answer, but just any of those like weird questions that they're trying to like test you with. No, I didn't get anything too weird. Um, I had one coach kind of just ask this asked me like, why why would I want you on my team? And when I gave him an answer, he was like, uh, I don't, I, I think I can find someone better, you know. So they 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 put you in awkward positions for sure. But I think a lot of them just want to get the sense of what kind of guy you are. You know, I think once or twice I got, Hey, so, um, you know, it's 80 degrees on a mid April day in in Houston, you got nothing to do. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I was just like, man, probably hit the golf links and maybe grill out with the boys, have a, have a brewski or two. You know, they just want to get a sense of, uh, what kind of dude you are. Okay, and then how how long after the combine was it until the Ravens called? So I think so. The combine's in what February, um, and then I think the Ravens had called me probably mid March and said, "Hey, we're going to come out to Houston and work you out." So what 
teams have the opportunity to do, which the Ravens did, and so did the Texans, and so did the Bears at uh, that year. And um, so they came out. Um, I met I met the special teams coach for breakfast, and we went on the field, and just he put me through a workout, see what I had. And then when did you ultimately? Like, when did they end up? Obviously, you mentioned you went undrafted. So when did you end up getting the call from the Ravens that they wanted to sign you? Yeah. Um, so during the draft, they had uh, they had said, "Hey, like, um, you know, we're not going to probably use the draft pick on a punter, but you know, the way it works is when the near the end of the draft, we'll give you a call, and you know, we'll we'll see what's going on if you're still around." So I had a, I had received a few calls from different teams that I hadn't even spoken to during the draft, saying that, "Hey, we got a pick, we might use it on you," or, "Hey, like, we want to sign you as an undrafted free agent." Um, but nonetheless, uh, no picks. No, no one picked me, obviously, and um, the Ravens was definitely a good opportunity to learn from um, some of the best specialists and uh, some of the best special teams coaches. So I was really, really fortunate to uh, get an opportunity with Coach Rosberg and uh, Randy Brown. I listened to an it was a interview you did a couple of years ago talking about your time with the Ravens, and you said they're doing some like innovative stuff when it comes to special teams, punting, and kicking. Like, what are some of those things that you learned when you were there? Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned how to be a pro from guys like Sam and Justin, and those are two best in the biz. And yeah, they just they just had a different level of um, attention to detail, and um, they they have really since changed the game when it comes to punting. Um, you know, guys have the prototypical spiral punt that everybody hits. That'll get you into the NFL. That'll get you into the CFL. But you can really set yourself apart by thinking outside the box and. Um, you know, they essentially try to keep the ball out of the returner's hand. And you see that happening more and more. Wherever the returner's lining up, just find a way to get it on the ground using effective hang time rather than typical hang time with the ball in the air. If you have the ball rolling around on the ground, that's also hang time because the returner is not going to know how the ball's mounting and be able to field it cleanly. So he's going to be really tentative to pick the ball up and 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 during that time our team's running down the field so it's interesting and um they got more into that probably a season or two after i was there but the makings the beginnings of that was when i was around that's interesting there's i feel like people don't realize the amount of strategy that actually goes into kicking and punting you know what i mean for sure and you know one thing that you know i didn't hold in college and um when i got to the ravens coach rossberg and randy brown they had me catch probably two to 300 jugs um, holding snaps uh, a day. I remember one morning I actually woke up and my left hand, my left thumb was swollen. I had actually sprained my thumb from catching so many um, jug snaps because that's, that's the way that they had it done. They had a, they had a very meticulous process. And I think that's really helped me and obviously helped Lewis as well. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately when you got released by the Ravens, that's when you went, like you had a time with BC for about a month, right? Yeah. When the practice rosters, uh, practice rosters expanded, they invited me up and I went up and got my first taste of the CFL. Like, what did you know about the CFL prior to coming up here? I knew a little bit. Um, One of the returners that I played with at U of H had some success with um, Montreal. And so I kept up with him, but I really didn't know much. I knew some players that had played up there um, and then got a chance in the uh, NFL. And you know, I was just hanging out at home. And, you know, like I said before, um, 
you know, just saying yes and to any opportunity is kind of something, wherever it is, is something that I've always done since college. You know, I moved all the way to Houston and, you know, I got a phone call from, I didn't know what Vancouver looked like. And I land there and I'm like, holy crap, this place is amazing. Um, so I got an opportunity there and I learned a lot. Um, Don Sweet, who is a teammate of Wally Buono, he's a, he lived in the area and he was a kicker back in the day. And he was, he wasn't on staff, but he would come up to practice and he was someone that I used that, that really helped me to learn the game, learn um, how different it is from the NFL to the CFL. And uh, I was really fortunate. Paul McCallum was still there. Um, so I learned a lot from Paul. We got a good relationship. We still talk every now and then. And um, I guess that's been, I guess that was about five years ago. Time flies, huh? It's crazy. Yeah. I was going to ask too about like the differences between the CFL and the NFL. When did you first learn about a rouge? Yeah, I learned, I mean, probably day one on the practice field. And um, I thought it was really cool. And, you know, though they are not what you ultimately want, history would show you that I hit quite a few rouges. Um, but sometimes they work out. I mean, you look at the Calgary game this past year, first game of the season, I hit two rouges, um, which kept it uh, – to a five point game at the end of the game, which they had to score a touchdown rather than kick a field goal. So are Rouges good or bad? I don't know. It's up for debate. Fair enough. And then after that time with BC, you went back to, you went back down to the NFL with the Steelers for a bit and then ended up coming back to BC for two full seasons after that. Right. Yeah. I I had gotten cut um, in May. So training camp was about to start in the CFL and I was driving through West Virginia I was like, I have no, I, I was thinking about hanging them up. I was like, man, like, what am I going to do? Um, and, you know, the BC Lions said, hey, you know, we need somebody. Um, we want to invite you to camp. And I was driving through West Virginia. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I got, I drove home. And the next thing you know, I was at home for two days, played a little golf. And then I was on a flight out to, uh, out to Vancouver. And you had some good success with BC. Like you were a two-time CFL All-Star out there. I also have, I think you hit, like set the record for the longest field goal in BC Lions history when you were there. Yeah, French. That was in my second game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who, who Coach Dice was the special teams coach for that Saskatchewan team. So, um, you know, we talk about that every now and then. <laughs> but so... Like you were, were you still punting and doing kickoffs as well? Or were you just doing field goal while in BC? Were you doing all three? Yeah, I was doing all three um, in 2015 and 16. Okay. And before you came to Ottawa, you went back down to Arizona again and then came to Ottawa. How was, like, how was it on you handling going to the NFL, back to the CFL, to the NFL, back to the CFL? Like, how was that for you as a person to keep having to go through all the changes? Well, yeah, I mean, um, when I had my opportunity to play for BC those two years, I had a huge chip on my shoulder after getting cut twice. And, you know, it was my goal to make it back down south. And I got a really good opportunity with Arizona. Um, and I played well in the preseason. I think I averaged like 47.9 yards. I had a really good preseason. Um, they ended up signing a veteran. Um, they ended up signing a veteran in Andy Lee, who, you know, he's probably actually my favorite punter. He wasn't my favorite punter then because he took my job, but um, he's someone I looked up to a lot. And he, uh, you know, skinny guy who can hit it far. It's kind of like me. And um, yeah, it didn't work out, but you know that's how that's how it works sometimes. And 
you can only do the best that you can do. You know, you gotta, you gotta focus on yourself. You can't worry about what's going on around you. And, you know, after I had been through that experience, I was, I believed in myself. I knew that, you know, I was good enough to play and that's, um, and, you know, so I sat out that whole season and had a few workouts here and there, um, with the NFL teams. And then, um, I guess it wasn't until that April that Ottawa had called and, um, so, you know, and I was like, let's do it. And, uh, obviously during that moment, I was training to do all three again, kicking, punting and, um, all that stuff. And, you know, the chips fell where they fell and, you know, Lewis, Lewis did his thing and here we are today. I was going to ask initially though, when you went from doing all three to just doing kickoffs and punting, was that a bit of a difficult transition for you to not be kicking field goals anymore? No, because kicking field goals has never been easy for me. I mean, I'm not a field goal kicker. Um, I'm a punter and kicking off's always been my thing as well. Um, so it just happened to work out. Uh, and I'm really, really thankful that, you know, they gave us an opportunity and obviously we've done well in the past two years and we still got a lot of work to do, but, um, it wasn't difficult for me because man, there's so much pressure on kicking field goals, which, you know, you, you want, you like the pressure, but day in and day out, man, that's some different pressure. Fair. And I was going to ask like, just overall, like how would you kind of, how would you describe your first two seasons with the red blacks? Oh man, they were uh, two best years of my life. Um, it's been uh it's been a, been a great ride and it's going to continue to be so a lot of success that first year um being in a new city on a great team and um just so much new stuff I'm, i met my best friend and mike glasson and we had it was just it was just awesome everything that ottawa has to offer um i love i love the people i love game day at lansdowne you really can't beat it um just getting an opportunity to live somewhere else, um, the East coast of Canada, or I guess, you know, Ontario, I hadn't had that chance to do that. And, uh, I loved it. And, um, I'm looking forward to what the future has to offer too. I actually want to talk a little bit more about Mike Clausen. When did you guys really kind of hit it off? Um, his locker was about, you know, four down from mine. Um, so I remember just meeting him in the locker room and seemed like a good dude. And I had said to him, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, cause I had driven my car up and I was, I was leaving. He was going to wait for the bus, which was going to leave in about an hour. And I said, I'm just going to leave, go back to the dorms now. And so we just ended up bonding, um, driving from the university of Ottawa dorms, um, to TD place. And in the mornings, the bus would come at, you know, 6.30 and leave at 6.45. And we didn't have to be there till 8 or so. So I was like, hey, I'm going to leave a little bit later. Do you want to just ride with me? And so we just bonded on these car rides. And uh, the rest is history, I guess. There's a couple other people I wanted to ask, too, about your time with the Red Blacks. And obviously, the first one being Lou. Like, when did you meet Lou for the first time? So... This is when the CFL was still doing these spring camps. So Lewis and I had come in April of 2018 for like a three-day kind of workout. We got on the field. We did some kicking and punting in front of the, you know, the coaches and, and GM, Marcel and Jeremy and all those guys. Um, so that's when I first had met him on, on the field. And um, good dude. We stayed in touch. Um I think from that moment, we, we kind of knew that there was an opportunity like, 
hey, if you're really good at field goals and I do my thing punting, we could be, you know, one-two combo. And that's just so how um, how it all worked out. And it's been fun. I was even sharing Lewis's story with uh, the guys down here last night. We were watching some some film and, you know, we were looking at his numbers. And it was pretty, it's pretty astonishing that he had missed one kick in the first game and then went 17 games and then another nine games of last season until he missed another which is just an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. I've heard him describe himself as the quiet one and you more of the trash talker of the two of you. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty fiery, especially I'm an emotional guy. You know, I'm Italian. So um, I uh, I definitely get a little bit – he's got to keep me grounded. And uh, the fact that we've been working together for the past two years, working together and really, really close friends, you know, we do everything together. Um, we're roommates on the road. Um, you know, I talk to him on FaceTime, you know, every other day or so. And it's uh, – it, Coach Dice usually sums it up pretty good. He's got some pretty good um, ways to describe both of us. And even you throw LP in there, who's another he's, – he's pretty fiery now too. Um, we got a heck of a, a unit, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. And it really is Coach Dice heading it up, and he sets the tone. And like during Lewis's run, in terms of like speaking of trash talk, how much was being directed at like Lewin and you as well in terms of like people knowing now that he's got this record? Like how much trash talk was coming your way at that point? Not really. I mean, when you get, when people trash talk you, it's really a compliment. It means you're doing something right. But what was cool was, um, you know, we'd go play in these away stadiums while this streak was going on and people would, you know, say something to Lewis, let's say in the stands. And I turn around and look and, you know, I give him the stink eye like, Hey man, like do better. Come on, man. Like you're like, what are you doing right now? And, uh, people actually, you know, Lewis would pipe one or two field goals and then people would be like, man, you are like, they would just be so complimentary. Um, so it's actually kind of funny. It's typical Canadians, you know, they can't be too mean, you know, because at heart, everyone's really nice and loving and caring. So um, not a whole lot of trash talk coming my way, but um, Lewis handled it well. Speaking of handling it well, from an outsider, not an outside perspective, but from someone that's not Lewis's perspective, how was he like when eventually he missed that 70th one, re- the record was set at 69. How did he handle that, especially going out on the field to kick the one after he'd missed? Well, that's what something he had, he had talked about um, even before he missed it. Because he he he's, he knew there was going to be a miss here or there. Everybody misses, everybody fails. It's it's about being a professional is how you respond to failure. And he has you know he's very mentally strong, and um, he knew that being resilient is an important part of being a pro. So he, he handled it great. I mean, you were at the game. He got a standing ovation after he missed that kick. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think every coach on the sideline came, came and gave him a, gave him a high five. Um, it was truly a, a feat that I don't think we will see broken. Um, but, I mean, he, he did a great job. And um, I'm not going to say I was the reason why he missed number 70, but let's just say the hold wasn't the best. Nonetheless, like- it did end on 69. <laughs> true very true and you mentioned how like lewis is like mentally strong and also i want to talk about like the mental side of punting and doing kickoffs like there's obviously that's a big aspect of like how do you approach the mental side of punting and kicking 
Yeah, you know, it, it's changed every year. I've I've gone back to the drawing board every off season, and I kind of have a foundation of my my mental my mental training that comes from a golf book. It's called Golf Is Not a Game of Perfect by Bob Rotella. Um, that's kind of what my foundation of mental strength has come from. Now, the way that you approach each day has to be a certain way. And I try to stay within a window of mind frame and a window of how my body's feeling. And if I stay within that window, I'm going to have success. And um, it is it is difficult to take it from, let's say, where I'm at right now, which is I'm trying to get a lot of volume in my reps and trying to taper that off as camp gets closer and closer. And when you get into those team settings, you really want to let your muscle memory take over. You don't want to have any thoughts. Thoughts are for right now, working on the little things, the minute details. And then when you get into a situation where the bullets start flying, which that's what I call it, when you're in a game situation or you're in a practice situation, you just want muscle memory to take over and so you can be free and you can flow. So it's been, um, it's been a process. It's been a journey. Um, I learn something new every week. Different things will work for me. Different cues I write down that I think resonate with me. Um, and Lewis knows all about my cues because, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I can't see myself when I'm punting and he can. And he'll remind me like, hey, remember holding on to the ball a little bit longer with your left hand. That'll resonate with me and it'll click. And that'll set me back on track. So that's another really important part of uh, working with somebody that you trust, you respect, and have a lot of history with. I got that benefit. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask too, you mentioned him earlier about the other person in that trio is LP. Like how important is he to the whole component of both with your punting and with catching for Lewis? Yeah, he makes it really easy on me for field goals. Um, one thing that we have we just have a really good sound routine. You know, we know how long it takes when we set up to when I say set to um, call for the ball. It's, it's really, uh, it's really a, an impressive sound routine. And, you know, we've done this about a million times now and it's only getting better and better. He makes it really easy on me as far as putting the laces down, catching the laces out. He does a really, really good job. And then in punting, I mean, he's one of the most athletic long snappers, if not the most athletic long snapper in the league. Um, you know, he was a CFLPA all-star long, long snapper, um, voted on by his peers, which is a huge compliment. And, um, you know, this guy works hard. He, he really wants to be the best in the game, and he has a, an insane work ethic. So we all, um, you know, kind of have the same goals, and that goes a long way in um, trying to dominate. He's definitely a, an insane worker. Like I go to the gym before work some mornings mo and then every time I'm there, LP's in the gym as well before practice. He's at the good life at Lansdowne getting a full workout and before he has to go to practice. So his, his worth at work ethic is pretty insane. And the other person I wanted to ask you about was coach Dice. Like what impact has coach Dice had on your career? Well, he's, he's the one who sets the tone. Um, he expects a lot out of us. Um, he won't he's encouraging he understands the how our position is a little bit different than other positions where he's coached as an offensive coordinator 
or anything like that. It's just a little bit different. And, and an important part too, not only handling, being able to handle us and knowing how to handle us, but he gets guys on our cover teams to play like madmen. I mean, we got, you know, some of the best special teamers in the league and it's a lot of his schemes and the way that he coaches these guys and encourages these guys to fly down the field and make plays on, on kickoff, on all the returns, on all the coverage. Um, that's so important. And, uh, I'm really, really grateful that Coach Dice is our special teams coach. He's he's uh he's a great man. Is there a stigma when it comes to kickers? And if so, like how do you work on overcoming that stigma? Well, I think it's something yeah, there's always gonna be that stigma. Oh, like you guys don't work hard, oh you guys are weird, oh you guys are off doing whatever while we're practicing hard and that's always gonna be around. But I think, um, you know, the way that we handle ourselves on a day-to-day basis, while these other guys are at meetings, we try to spend time doing productive things because we don't need to meet all that often, you know. And Coach Dice does a really good job of letting us take care of our bodies. He emphasizes that, like, hey, you know, we're not in meetings right now, but make sure you're doing some recovery stuff. Uh, Make sure you guys are getting extra drops in, extra drills in. Um, I think you got to lead by example when it comes to that. And I think that's something we've done and we as a unit take pride in is we don't want to be known as those guys. So anytime that these guys are think that we're not working, we make sure they know that we're working. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think our play on, um, you know, game day uh, shows them what's up. Mm-hmm. And what are some of your interests outside of football? I know you're big into old time politics, but what are some things you do when you're not playing football? <laughs> old time politics? Um, you know, I'm a big I'm, I'm a history guy. Um, I like a lot of history and it's, it's been, it's been nice to learn a lot about Canadian history and, you know, being in Ottawa, you have a lot of resources, a lot of things you can do to learn. You know, you get so many museums uh, in Ottawa, which is nice. Um, I like to explore. I like to get, I like to meet people. I like to try different restaurants, different food. I'm a big fan of food. Um, I mean, when I'm in Ottawa, I like to take the bike up and down the canal, um, you know, get out for a hike. We like to play golf a little bit during the season. Um, what else do I like to do? I'm a football guy at heart, though. I mean, I, I live, breathe, and die football. Um, I can't imagine not playing football. Hopefully, I'll be playing for years to come. Mm-hmm. What are some places you recommend when you're doing that exploring within Ottawa? Like, what are some standout spots? I like actually I like going over to Gatineau Park. Um a lot of, lot of good things over there. When you go into, into Quebec, you know, the, the geography, the topography, sorry, is a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit more rocky, a little more mountainous, which offers a little bit more scenic terrain. I like those, those little towns like Wakefield um, over there. It's, it's fun to, to check that out. There's nothing better when, than when the fall comes and you, you're over there with all those leaves. Um, within Ottawa, I mean, you can't beat the canal. You can't be being down by Parliament and just seeing what's going on over there and uh, all the stuff they have going on in the market. But um, even going out to like the little little towns outside of Ottawa, uh, what, what's it? Almont? Almonte? Is it Almonte or Almont? Almont. Almont. I mean, that's a, such an amazing, cute little town. Cottage country. Really cool. Really big fan of. Um, I'll say yes to anything. I'm a yes guy. Um, anything that's within a good drive, I'm down to go check out. Any recommendations for the city of Ottawa, for anybody? 
let me know. Is there any part of the off season that you spend in Ottawa? Or do you try and spend most of it down in Alabama, just focusing on training? Um, yeah, I mean, last year, Mike and I had uh, planned a trip to come to Ottawa. It was actually over my birthday in March. And, you know, we got a chance to skate the canal, play a little hockey in the canal, which is obviously frowned upon, but we didn't know. <laughs> um, so we got an opportunity to do that. This year I was up there uh, in January and beginning of February doing some things. So, yeah, I try to get back as much as I can. Um, I ob- obviously would have – I would be coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, obviously that might be a little delayed, but – yeah, as much as I can. Maybe next year I'll spend the whole off season in Ottawa. Never know. Fair. And then many when when those many many years pass and we are down the line, many years. What is post playing career look like for you? I don't know yet. Um, I think that will unveil itself as time comes. I have an idea of what I think it looks like, and it definitely involves football, but I don't know in capacity. Um, and that's that's my goal. That's my hope. Uh, I'm thankful that. You know, I, I take every day as something I can learn from when I'm up at the facility going throughout my day, whether it be coaching or operations or anything like that. So something to do with that. Like I said, I'm a football guy through and through. And uh, I think post football, there won't be ever a post football for Richie. Let's just say that. What is some advice you'd have to aspiring kickers and punters that want to make it to the next level? Um, well, I'm actually... I'm pretty lucky in the sense of I get to coach kids down here uh, on the weekends, which is nice. So I do get an opportunity to kind of preach my thoughts and beliefs, not so much on technique, but just a overall um, view on things. And, um, you know, what I usually say is uh, what you do at a young age is so important. Like I said, I've been so lucky. Uh, My dad really pushed and encouraged me to, you know, work on these little minute drills and details. And I think that really helped me at a, at a later age, you know, there's so much innate now that is muscle memory from me being a junior in high school. And um, that's paid dividends, you know, it's paid the bills for a little bit. Right. So um, I just, I just enforce that within kids and um, everything's an opportunity. You know, when I go, when I go out to a game, I don't look at my, my punts as pass fail, you know, I don't want to have failure in mind. So what I do is, is I, I think of everything as an opportunity and that really relieves that anxiety of, or that possibility of failure. So being very optimistic and looking at each rep as an opportunity has really helped me. And that's what I try to get across to these young kids, which is definitely not easy. Why do you take the time on your weekends to spend time with these kids and coach these young kids? Like you're down there in the off season, you're working, you're training. Why don't you enjoy the off season on the weekends and instead you're spending it with these kids? Why is that something that's important to you? Well, I think when you coach what you do, it reinforces it within yourself. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling this, you know, 15, 16 year old kid uh, stuff about the drop and I see him not doing certain things. And then it reinforces and reminds me at the same time of technique and, and things that I do that I don't even realize that I do. Right. So um, you're always learning, you're always teaching. And that's kind of how I look at it. And I'm, 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 I'm fortunate for that. And how often do you reflect on being in the opposite side of that situation? When you were the kid, the 15, 16 year old kid, even before that, when you were younger, 
grade four, decide you want to go play professional football. And now today you are, you are a pro football player. How often do you reflect on that? Yeah, I think um, as I've gotten older, it's been cooler to reflect on that. But I still think of myself as like a 16, 17-year-old kid because I'm still playing football and it's kind of unbelievable. But as I've gotten older and um, I feel like I've, I've, had the, I've done some cool stuff as far as you know, playing in a great cup, having some success, putting, to, putting some good film and some good, um, some good punts out there. It's just, it's just cool. Um, I don't know how else to put it other than, you know, I just look forward to the next time I get to do it because that's what it's all about. It's all about that next punt and um, that next rep, that next opportunity. And I look forward to my next one, uh, week one. That's awesome. I think we're all looking forward to seeing you back out on the field during week one, whenever that might be. But I want to thank you for taking the time to come on Reblacks Unfiltered. Where can the people find you? Tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Instagram. Not a big social media guy, but, you know, I'm trying to up my game. Um, I think it's Richie underscore Leone on Instagram. And then Twitter's Richie Leone 15. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start putting more out there. You know, you got you to gotta encourage me to do more. You know, social media is a young man, a young man's thing. And, you know, I'm not young anymore. All right. Well, I'll make sure I give you some encouragement. I'll make sure our nation gives you some encouragement. I want to thank you for taking the time once again to be on this podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, whether you listen the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Everyone do me a big favor. Go and follow Richie. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. If you'd like to follow the Red Blacks, you can find us on Instagram at CFL Red Blacks or on Twitter at at Red Blacks. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.